last week on the Joes on the Pros podcast. I feel like Antonio Brown is like the perfect mixture for Tom Brady with Wes Welker and Randy Moss. We'll see how he fits in overall. I think Belichick is really going to have to deal with his personality if he wants him to fit in well. I dislike the Cowboys more than any NFL franchise, but I got to say, they are definitely going to be in the running with the Eagles to take the NFC East this season. I tell you what, they look pretty good. They're definitely contenders, Judy, and let me just tell you, I think they're contenders simply for the fact they added a few more weapons and got more experience on offense. You are now tuning in to the Joes on the Pros podcast with your host, Judy Riddle and Casey Warner, covering all the latest topics in today's sports. Welcome everyone to the third episode of the Joes on the Pros podcast. I'm happy to be back here with my partner, Junie Riddle. We're going to talk about some great topics today. But first, we are starting off with a very hot topic here coming into week three of the NFL season, Cam Newton. His Panthers are spiraling right now. They are 0-2, and he has not looked good as a starting quarterback. Junie, Cam Newton is not getting it done right now, and how is he not getting it done? He's not getting it done because he hasn't even passed for a passing touchdown in the last four games. In his last eight starts, he's 0-8 going back to last season. Cam Newton has obviously not looked like himself. And In our first episode of our podcast, we said we didn't know if he was going to be healthy this year. It's obvious that he's not playing like himself. So, Casey, i got to ask you, man, what do you think is going on? Do you think it's more of an injury thing, or do you think Cam is now on the decline? Cam, I think, is definitely on the decline for probably a few reasons I'd have to start out with. One, he's he's battered. Everyone knows that. He has not been healthy for two years now. He's battling a foot injury going into this week. He's questionable for that game Sunday. You know, they said he was battling that shoulder injury coming into the uh, the regular season after the preseason. They weren't sure if he was going to be ready then. And he's just he's been battered up the last two years simply. Another reason is that I've heard that he's gone vegan, actually. And that's pretty interesting because a guy that puts on a lot of weight, like Cam Newton's a bigger quarterback, you wouldn't think he'd be able to survive off that. I noticed when he played the Rams two games, ago that he didn't look as thick as he usually does. He didn't look as strong as he usually did. I don't know. I'm no dietitian myself, but I don't think if you eat meat and you're a football player, that goes together too well. So I'm going to take a limb there and I'm going to say Cam Newton's not looking good and is hurt because of his diet. I can definitely see where you're coming from there, but I think it has more to do with his injury than it does. Cam Newton is way too talented of a quarterback to be already on his decline, Casey. I'm telling you what, this man, Cam Newton, was just MVP in the 2015 season where he led his team to the Super Bowl. All the way to the Super Bowl. I just think it's too soon to pass judgment. Obviously, last year he was a little bit banged up. The Panthers started off at a six and two record. They they did not win a game after starting out at a six and two record. And I got to tell you what, Casey, I think that he should have sat out for the year. I think that Cam Newton right now is not healthy, and I think that it's showing on the field. Like he's obviously still hurting from last season. The numbers are still the same. He's not putting up. You know, the same touchdown numbers. He's not putting up the rushing numbers. And it seems like Rivera is not trusting him with the offense as well. I tell you what, Cam Newton has his work cut out for him this coming week. They go to Arizona at 3.05 Central Time to play the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. That's going to be a tough one. Kyler Murray's going to be hungry for a win. His Cardinals aren't looking too bad right now, and the Panthers could very well go 0-3 if he does not perform in that game like he's been performing in the previous two games. So the Panthers are in trouble right now. Ron Rivera and the Panthers, Cam Newton, they got to get that stuff together. The offense isn't looking too great. Interesting stat from Cam Newton is he's only had one season where he's had a 60-plus completion percentage since 2013. That was 67.9 last year and he had a pretty good he had a pretty good year last year but other than that he hasn't looked too well since 2013 he did have the MVP season in 2015 but he didn't even throw for 60% then so he's never been too much of an accurate passer as it is but for this year he's definitely got to bounce back because he is too talented and too young still to be having these issues Cam Newton needs to bounce back this week and I see and I get what you're saying when you're bringing up you know his completion percentage over the years but what I'm saying what I'm telling you is is that just because his completion percentage isn't the highest as it should be as a normal NFL quarterback. Cam Newton is not a normal NFL quarterback. Cam Newton is 
six five. He's built like a brick house. They call him Superman for a reason. His running ability is gives him that option to take off at any time. And I tell you what, if I was playing middle linebacker and I saw Cam Newton running down the field, I would not be the one that would have to tackle him in the open field. I tell you what, Cam Newton is a talent like we have never seen, and I just really think that the injury is doing this. But just to give you a point about how he's been playing right now and the trust that Rivera has with him, I don't think that he has the trust in him because when it came down to the game, the Panthers were down by six points, and it was first and goal, first play of the or first play of that series, first down, incompletion, second down, incompletion. Third down, he throws a little check down, gets it, and on the fourth down play, it was about fourth and two, right there on the goal line, they give it to Christian McCaffrey in a direct snap. They did, Cam Newton did not get an opportunity to win the game. And I tell you what, it just shows that there's something going on in that organization where they don't trust Cam right now, and I personally think it has to do with injuries because his natural talent is too good for him to be playing like this. And also, you got to think, Casey, this Panthers defense doesn't look as great as it normally has either. I mean, they let up 30 points in the home opener to your Rams when typically a lot of teams, offensively especially, struggle in that first game, not really scoring as much. We saw that in the Green Bay and the Bears game, obviously on the first game of the season. But then you come and look at this week, they let the Bucks put up 20 points on them, and Jameis Winston, we're talking about Jameis Winston did not turn the ball over against the Panthers. I think that's an embarrassment, and I think overall this Panthers team is not looking the great, and I think Cam Newton's injury has to be the sole purpose of that, along with the defensive struggles. Good points there, Junie. Good points. They had a 20-14 to loss against the Bucks last week at home. That was on Thursday Night Football. That's a huge loss. Can't lose that game to a divisional foe. The Bucks aren't looking too bad themselves. They are 1-1. One and one. And yeah, Cam Newton's struggles just aren't acceptable at this point for a team that you thought might be a contender this year. 25-51, of 51, 333 yards last week against the Bucks. No touchdowns, no interceptions, but did not get the win there. Not a good look for Cam Newton, but certainly there is somebody else that is looking good so far in that first game that he had, and that is Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown played exceptionally well in that first game, catching a touchdown pass, and he looks good. He looks like a pretty good fit so far for the Patriots. And I agree with you, Casey. I already told you that I thought that Antonio Brown is like the perfect mixture of Wes Welker and Randy Moss, a talent that Tom Brady has not had since Randy Moss, those late 2000 seasons there in New England. But I'll tell you what, he only had four receptions for 59 yards. Obviously, the Patriots kind of... You you know, showed their offense out in the in the in the first half of the game, and then really let their defense you know take them to the end, and they really racked it up there on the Miami Dolphins. Something that I did not think that Bill Belichick would do against Miami, but with that being said, he looks pretty good. Um, obviously, we didn't hear any drama coming out of New England. You know, he only got four receptions, but here's the kicker with that. And this is what this is a stat that I'm gonna give you. Yes, he had four receptions for 59 yards on touchdown. That's all nice and dandy, but he was targeted eight times. And this is something that I really want our viewers to understand is that a big problem with Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, and something that him and Ben Roethlisberger had a chemistry with, was the fact that Big Ben can anticipate an audible, an audible on the fly that Antonio Brown would do in his routes, to where Big Ben, if Antonio Brown saw something. In Pittsburgh, he was free to go. If he saw the field and he saw that he had an opening for him to basically you know, get through the secondary, Ben Roethlisberger was going to find that and hit that through their chemistry. In New England, that's not how Tom Brady works. Tom Brady likes precision. If he tells you to run 15 yards and then make a quick cut to the sidelines on an out, and if you don't do it, then that's not going to work for Tom Brady. He needs exactly what he's going to get. Antonio Brown got targeted eight times in that game and only had four receptions. So that has to say something about, is this chemistry going to work? The talent is there. The fit is there. But is he going to work within the system? That is to be determined. And this was against the Dolphins. So I don't, I'm don't. i not going to jump to a conclusion and say that this is going to work out perfectly. Yes, the talent's there. But I don't know if the chemistry will be there. I think this will certainly work out for Antonio Brown being a winner now. He'll be a winner there, and I tell you what, I hope he can continue to get some of the stats that he had this week, because he got me 16.10 fantasy points in my Yahoo Fantasy League. I'll take that all day. So, Antonio, you keep balling out stat-wise. I'll take that on my fantasy team all day. But there's, there's, there has to be an element here of a lot of people thinking he's just plug-and-play on this Patriots team. I personally think that's what he is. I don't think he's going to have any outrageous numbers this year. No Randy Moss-like numbers in 2007. I think 
think he's going to get the job done like all the Patriots receivers do, and he's just going to be a plug-and-play. Like you said, the way Tom Brady runs that offense is too tight, and he has too much set in stone there that he likes to do with the football. He likes to run checkdowns. He likes to run slants. He likes to do things like that. And plug-and-play is pretty much any receiver that can catch the ball in those situations. Antonio Brown has more skill than that, but with only 56 yards and a touchdown this week, it's reasonable to think that that could continue in an offense like that. But see, I don't think his personality is built for that, Casey. Certainly not. We have seen him constantly playing in Pittsburgh where he was frustrated about not getting the looks that he wanted, not getting the the targets, not getting the receptions and the numbers that he wanted. This guy is a really greedy guy, and it has shown since he – has been put out in the open when the Steelers have dealt him, said that they're tired of it. You know, there's a lot of rumors going out in Pittsburgh of multiple stories of over the years that Mike Tomlin has done to hide his dramatics, hide his antics. And we have started to slowly see that since that uh, Facebook Live after they beat Kansas City in that divisional game to go play the Patriots. I believe it was the 2017 AFC Championship. That's right, it was. And, it was. and yeah, and, and ever since then, it is slowly getting, you know, Antonio did this, he disrespected the coach. Oh, now Antonio. Antonio's frustrated on the sidelines, and then it became to the point where he left his team last year because he was unhappy with what was going on, and now he was asked to be he asked to leave the organization. He wanted to get out, and then we saw obviously how crazy he got in Oakland. And I just don't see a personality like this, even worse than a guy like Terrell Owens or you know Chad Johnson in Cincinnati. You know we've never seen a guy like this before, and I just don't know if it can last this season in New England. You certainly have to wonder how much longer he may actually be able to play with all these reports we've been hearing about him lately. The last report I saw a few hours ago is that it's unclear whether the league would come to a decision soon. So he could finish out the rest of the season or he may not play next week. We just have to wait and see. That's the thing that's unclear. Like you said, this guy is very sporadic. This guy is all over the place. We have no idea when he could play. He certainly can make an impact and he's he's certainly going to have his work cut out for him in the coming weeks if he can't play. And see, when I was saying that, I wasn't referring to his sexual assault and rape allegations. Sure. I am purely saying that from his personality standpoint. Sure. And the Patriot way, like as big of a Steelers fan as I am, and as much as I love the Steelers and hate the Patriots, I have the utmost respect for that organization and how it's run. They really get the guys focused. They really get all their, you know, their players to buy in, and that is why they take, you know, older players, players with less talent, and turn them into championship level players because they have a system there. They have a model there. It's the Patriot way. The Patriot way has worked for a reason. They've won six Super Bowls and they've been in nine since two thousand and one. That is a reason, and I don't think a guy like this and his personality is going to fit in with this roster for the long run. Yeah, he's happy. He's happy to be gone. He's happy to be in a winning situation. But how long is that going to last? I don't think it's going to last long. I think that his antics are going to start to show, and he. I don't. I just don't think that he is going to finish the season there. Antonio Brown certainly hoping for a new start in New England. Another team that is coming to a new start that we're going to talk about next is Daniel Jones on the Giants. They have just named him the starter this week, and we're going to get into that a little bit next after this break. So this past Sunday, the New York Giants fall to 0-2, losing to the Buffalo Bills 28-14. This week, Eli Manning looked a little bit more what we're accustomed to seeing of him recently, only throwing for 250 yards and had two touchdowns, only throwing for about 50% on the day. So this week, Daniel Jones was named the starter for the New York Giants going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So today we brought in one of our biggest Giants fans we know and a guy that we have class with. His name is Caden Gaylord. All right, Caden, you want to start talking about your New York Giants? Man, actually, I'm not mad that uh, Eli's not the starter anymore because he ends his you know, Giants tenure with the 116 and 116 record. So technically, he ended 500. So he, I'm glad that they did it instead of, you know, letting him keep playing and having a losing record. So, so Caden, what you're trying to tell me is, is that you think the Giants did this on purpose in order for Eli Manning to not have a losing record as the starter? Of course. It's no coincidence that he's at an even 500. 
with this record. There's no coincidence that they did it now. You know, after two games, really, it's not even Eli's fault that the Giants been playing bad. It's the Giants' defense that's been horrible. Eli's been playing fairly well, and he hasn't been playing that well for the past few seasons. He just gets a lot of the jokes, and, you know, I just feel bad that he's always getting blamed for no reason when he's done nothing wrong. He's brought two championships to this franchise. You know, most franchises wish they could say that. He's seventh all-time in passing yards, four-time pro bowler, two-time Super Bowl MVP, I'm glad to call this man a future Hall of Famer. I love this man, and I, I'm so happy that he gets to end his career here. Well, not here, in New York. And he's 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 a winner. And, you know, it's, it's Daniel Jones' time to shine now. Uh, me, personally, I don't think he will be that great. Uh, watching him at Duke, not that great. I, when we drafted him, I almost cried. I was not happy. I wanted Dwayne Haskins. But it is what it is now. So he had a nice preseason, even though it is just preseason. So, you know, I'm looking forward to see what he does. Man, Caden, no confidence in my man Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones has to light a spark for this offense. Eli Manning hasn't been getting it done over the last couple years. Certainly he has had his work cut out for him with those rosters that he has. As you said, not good defenses. They haven't been good so far. Looked very bad against the Cowboys. Didn't look good against Buffalo. They got to come out this week with a win, and they got an opportunity for that against the Buccaneers. Now, that game is in Tampa Bay, but Jameis Winston has suffered so far this year and has turned the ball over quite a bit some worries there in Tampa Bay they got the W against the Panthers last week Caden what does this game mean for Daniel Jones starting out in a winnable game against Tampa Bay honestly like I don't view it as that big of a deal this team's not going to win more than five games this year the defense is horrible you know we traded the best player best wide receiver in my opinion Odell's the best wide receiver most explosive wide receiver and you saw what he did Monday night against the Jets so, you know, I don't, I don't think it means that much. It is a winnable game. You know, it's the Bucks. I think he'll come out firing. But at the same time, the offense really hasn't been the main problem for the Giants. It's been the defense. Now, you, your confidence in Daniel Jones has stayed pretty persistent since they drafted him with the sixth overall pick this year. Now, what I got to tell you is, is that watching him in the preseason, yes, you said it's only preseason, but as a rookie quarterback coming in, preseason's a pretty big deal, and it's a pretty big uh, decisive measure on whether or not the productivity of that quarterback is going to be substantial or not. So what I'm saying is, is that, yes, Daniel Jones didn't look that great in, at Duke, but in the preseason, he completed 85% of his passes and threw for 416 yards and two touchdowns with limited playing time there in the preseason. He looked pretty solid. I got to tell you, Caden, I'm going to have to disagree with you that that Daniel Jones is not the answer because I think that Daniel Jones can light a spark just like Casey said for this offense. This offense has some weapons such as Saquon Barkley and Golden Tate is going to come back here soon coming off suspension. Sterling Shepard's pretty all right and so is Evan Ingram. So he's going to have some guys to dish it out to. So I think that it's time for the New York Giants to move on. But going back to Eli, again, I agree with you that Eli Manning, you know, he should be revered as probably the greatest Giants quarterback um, in history maybe except for Phil Sims, probably. But with that being said, you have to admit that Eli Manning has been on the decline for probably about the last half of the decade or so. Wouldn't you agree? For the last half? I mean, yeah, he's been on the decline, sure, but he hasn't been that bad. I mean, in 2018, he had 21 touchdowns and 11 interceptions through for 4,300 yards. That's not bad stats at all. You know, his QBR, really, people pick on him a lot. His QBR in 2018 was uh, 92.4. Uh, the year before was 80.4. The year before that was 86. So he's not been bad. And I, like I said, he just gets the rap for a lot of this, even though it's not mostly his fault. He does make a lot of mental mistakes, you know, against the Cowboys uh, week one. I think, it, I think it was fourth down. It was either third or fourth down and the intentional grounding in like the first or second quarter, I believe. Like he shouldn't have done that. He should have just threw it out of bounds. Like that's a rookie mistake, even though he's been in this league for forever. So he does. I know he makes a lot of mental mistakes, but overall, he is not a bad quarterback. And I hate how he gets the rap of, oh, he just beat the Patriots twice. He's not a Hall of Famer. Blah 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 blah. They should have gave it to the defense. Yada yada yada. 
No, this man's a good quarterback and one of the best of all time in Giants history. Now, you did say that you thought that Eli Manning was going to end his career as a New York Giant. Do you think that this is it for him? Do you not think that, you know, if they do move on to Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones wins the starting spot? Because obviously right now, you know, going into this game in Tampa Bay, there's a possibility that Daniel Jones may not be the answer for New York. And possibly, you know, the way that they're going, the way that defense is looking, they could still have a high draft pick in this year's draft and maybe rectify the mistake of drafting Daniel Jones if he doesn't pan out. So with that being said, if Daniel Jones does pan out, do you think that Eli Manning is going to retire? Or do you think that there's a possibility the Giants might release him or trade him so that he can go play elsewhere? I think I think it's done. I think he's done. Now, if you want me to be devil's advocate, I say there are two places he could possibly go to. He can go to the Broncos in that type of offense. Joe Flacco's their quarterback. You know how that's working out for them right now. Or you can go <laughs> go down to Jacksonville with Tom Coughlin again. They lost their starter and quarterback, Nick Foles. They have, I couldn't tell you what the dude's name was. Gardner Minshew. Yes, him. It's not It's not really panning out for them, you know, first time playing. So, I, I mean, if if he were to go somewhere else, I could see those two places as a destination. But I think he's done. You heard it here, guys. Caden Gaylord said that Eli Manning is most likely done if it pans out with Daniel Jones. Now let's bring it over to a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And when I say this, this is really rough for me to say. Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is out for the season, and he is going to need elbow surgery. That means that Mason Rudolph is going to have to take over the starting job uh, for the remainder of the season, most likely. So, guys, I got to ask you, what do you think this means for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, I'll tell you what, they got a huge game this week at San Francisco. That's going to be a tough test for them. San Francisco's 2-0. and They are looking pretty good so far, but they have just acquired Minka Fitzpatrick in a trade. That is huge for that team. They needed safety help on defense. Without Ben Roethlisberger, it's going to be really challenging for Mason Rudolph in there, but they're hoping to ride the coattails of that defense for sure. Yeah, uh, the and by the way, let's get into that there with Mika Fitzpatrick, and let's let's talk about what we gave up. The Steelers traded a 2020 first round pick, a 2020 fifth round pick, and a 2021 seventh round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, Miami's 2020 fourth round pick, and a 2021 seventh round pick. So overall, it seems like it basically came down to Mika Fitzpatrick for a first-round pick there for the Steelers because it seems like those other picks kind of even themselves out. And i got to agree with you there, Casey. Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is a good pickup. It seemed like a desperate move for the Steelers, but i got to say, the Steelers' the last couple drafts, they have been drafting in the first round with defense. You're going to add Minka Fitzpatrick to a young defensive future of T.J. Watt, Devin Bush, and the other safety that went in 2018 a little bit later the Steelers drafted was Terrell Edmonds, who is still continuing to develop and improve and also he's going to play with you know veteran players such as Cameron Hayward Vince Williams and Joe Hayden so I think that he is the missing piece you know Cameron Kelly is taking over for Sean Davis who is currently injured right now and he is from the AAFL Tom Brady has torched him and so has Russell Wilson two possible Hall of Fame quarterbacks there and so I got to tell you man I think that this was a good move it was out of desperation it was out of desperation because Steeler Nation was freaking out but I think that in the long run with these guys growing up this young defensive core a lot of talent there it's going to pay off in the long run and I don't think the Steelers can pick somebody better than Minka Fitzpatrick in this upcoming 2020 draft I'll tell you what, I gotta ask Caden this question because I'm very interested to know his thoughts on the Steelers' start to this season. They have they are 0 2 right now, playing the 49ers this week. Are they gonna go 0 3, Caden? Are they gonna go 0 3? You know, any other season, I would say no. But this season, the 49ers are balling out so far, which I did not predict to be honest with you. So I I, I mean, man, the Steelers' running game right now is not consistent. Um, Juju's been playing well, but still, man, like playing the Patriots first week kind of, I feel like, killed the team morale a little bit, you know, to start the season. Score was 33-3. I just, I just don't know if the Steelers, I feel like they're going to end the season with the top five pick, to be honest with you. Now, in our first ever episode of the Joes and the Pros podcast, we went through and predicted every team schedule, and I said that I thought the Steelers were going to have an 11-5 and season this year. Obviously, that is going to change now that Ben Roethlisberger is sidelined for the season with his elbow, but I got to tell you guys, 
I don't think the Steelers are going to be that bad. You got to think the first two games of the season, they go up against two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that are most likely going to go into the Hall of Fame. Also, two Hall of Fame coaches that coach over those. Those are two great franchises, two great wins. And obviously, the Steelers made it really close with Seattle. There's a couple controversial calls with that pass interference call that kind of gave uh, Seattle that that first down on a third down play that would have given the ball back to the Steelers in order for them to have that last drive possibly to go win the game. So we could possibly see the Steelers being 1-1 one and one if that call had gone their way. The defense has not stepped up yet. Obviously, Russell Wilson has gotten a lot better of an offensive line, but i got to tell you guys, I think that this team is going to improve. They're not going to go 11-5, and five, but I could definitely see them, you know, almost competing for a wild card. They're going to be roughly around a 500 team, maybe anywhere from 7 to 9 to um, 9 and 7, trying to get that last wild card spot. But it just all depends on this guy, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph looked really good, uh, 12 of 19, threw for about 130 yards and two touchdowns, to both to Vance McDonald. He looks pretty good. Uh, the team has a lot of confidence in him. A lot of the veterans are saying that he's very poised and that he has a lot of upside to him and that they drafted him for a reason. So I got to say, guys, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Going on to San Francisco, we need to pump the brakes on San Francisco, guys. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by 14 points when Jameis Winston threw two pick sixes. And then they went and beat Cincinnati. And I I mean, exactly. Senseless Cincinnati and Andy Dalton. Scrub. Scrub Andy Dalton. They beat they beat the brakes off Andy Dalton. Congratulations. You beat the Bengals. You beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a little help from Jameis Winston giving you two touchdowns. I'm not sold on the 49ers yet, but it, will it be a tough game without Ben Roethlisberger? Yes. Yes, it will be. It's in San Francisco, so it's going to be a great game, but this is going to kind of show me how San Fran's going to be for the rest of the season now that they're playing you know, a little bit better of a defense than Cincinnati and Tampa Bay. The, there's a couple games I'm looking, I'm looking at the schedule, uh, Steelers schedule right now. There's a couple games I'm looking at. In two weeks, you play the Ravens. Lamar Jackson's been on fire so far to start Lamar the Jackson has also played the Arizona Cardinals and the Miami Dolphins for his first two games. Hey. Let's put a little context in that as well. He's been playing great, but let's also look into context because we don't know exactly what the Ravens are going to be yet. It's not even just Lamar Jackson. It's their defense as well. You know they have one of the top defenses in the league for the past couple of seasons. That's just how they are. The, ne- the week after that is the Chargers. Now, the Chargers go back and forth, but they're, you're playing them at San Diego. Sorry, Los Angeles now. Wah, wah. <laughs> and then I'm looking at the Browns a couple weeks after uh, the Chargers game at, at Cleveland. So those three games to me will tell me how the Steelers will do for the rest of the year. Those are certainly huge games for the Steelers. Three very losable games, but also they could win those games, and they are certainly hoping they are on the right end of those games. Cannot afford to be in the hole anymore at 0-2 right now. And we will transition to a topic that is certainly not in the conversation for the Steelers right now, contenders and pretenders. With that injury to Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think they are contenders, but we'll get into our contenders and pretenders when we get back. So Casey, we got a lot of teams that have started off at a two and O record starting the season this year, and I got to tell you, a lot of these teams were not playoff teams last year. So we're gonna play a little game. You ready? So we're gonna we're gonna mention some of these teams that are going two and O that are kind of like borderline, not the obvious ones like the L.A. Rams who are in the Super Bowl or the Patriots who won the Super Bowl. We're gonna go with these borderline teams that people are still confused about, and we are gonna give our opinion on whether or not they are contenders. Or are they pretenders? So let's get it started here. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, Casey, what do you think about the Buffalo Bills? Are they pretenders or are they contenders? Junior, we got into this last night when we were at our house. I think this is a very interesting conversation right here. I normally wouldn't say this. I'm normally not high on the Bills, but give me the Bills this season. They're 2-0. and What's not to like about them so far? They have played both the New York teams, which are pretty weak, as we can see, but I like that defense. That defense has given up 16 points in Week 1, 14 points in Week 2, and those are two road games right there that they shut down both of those teams. you got to love that. they got a favorable schedule this week. They play the Bengals 
Bengals at home. The Bills could very well start 3-0, and and I think they will start 3-0. and Josh Allen is playing some pretty good football, and the Bengals are not looking too good so far at 0-2. It's very reasonable to think they can be 3-0, and heading to the Patriots, not to the Patriots, at home against the Patriots in that Week 4 matchup. That could be a huge game of two 3-0 and teams right there, but the Bills are contenders. I'm taking them. I am not taking the Buffalo Bills, Casey, and here is why. I think the Buffalo Bills got a lucky early schedule. The Giants were not as good as we thought they were going to be. I thought that the Giants were going to have a lot of improvements. Obviously not. They start off 0-2, and they start off a lot flatter than I thought. The New York Jets are another theme. I thought that defense was going to be a lot better than it is, and it's obviously not. And outside of Sam Darnold, who's obviously out for the current moment, and then Le'Veon Bell, they don't have very many offensive weapons either. They got two road wins there in MetLife Stadium against both New York teams, who are both looking like they're going to be fishing for one of those top draft picks coming up in April for the 2020 draft. So no, I'm not sold on the Buffalo Bills. Let me see them play a better competition because obviously like the Bills have had good starts in the past, but this whole running scheme uh, with Allen, I just don't see it panning out against a better defense other than the Jets and the Giants. So let's go on to our second team here, and that's going to be the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, they got that man, Aaron Rodgers, and they did not make the playoffs last year. Aaron Rodgers did not take them to the playoffs last season. So what do you think? Are they contenders or are they pretenders? I got to go contenders with the Packers as well. I love what Matt LaFleur has done with that offense so far. It's almost as if they have become more a more ball control team in the first two weeks, which you wouldn't think with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Rodgers' stats haven't been outstanding the first two games. He's simply gotten it done, made smart plays, smart play calls by his head coach. His head coach is running a tight ship around there. You can definitely tell the difference in the discipline and the performance on that squad. They look great so far. Two big division wins. They've played at Bears and got a W and Vikings at home. And I'm going to have to agree with you that the Packers are contenders, but I'm going to give you a different reason why. And of course, yes, they beat two really good teams there. The Vikings obviously didn't make the playoffs last year, mostly because we obviously don't believe in Kirk Cousins. But they still have a fantastic roster and a fantastic defense. So Rodgers, and under Matt LaFleur's system, has obviously been getting it done just enough to beat these two elite defenses. But I'm going to give it to the Green Bay defense as to why they are contenders. They have been playing very elite, holding the Bears to only three points, and then going and playing the Vikings and only holding them to 16 points. Even though Kirk Cousins is the quarterback there in Minnesota, that offense still has a ton of weapons with Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, and also Adam Thielen. So they still got some weapons there, and only holding them to 16 points is pretty good. So that Green Bay team there is looking pretty solid and all around very, very good. So I'm going to have them at contenders. All right, with our next team, and we're, I think we might disagree a little bit on this one as Probably well, so. is, is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. Casey, are they pretenders or are they contenders? They are definitely pretenders. First of all, they're in the NFC West. My beloved Rams are in the NFC West, and I'll even give the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt on this. I don't think there's any way the Niners can compete with the Seahawks or the Rams. I just don't see it. I think they played two very, very cupcake matchups in their first two games. They played the Buccaneers and the Bengals, two teams that are not very responsible with the ball. The 49ers have a decent defense. They took advantage of that, and they won those games decidedly. Now, they have a very tough schedule ahead of them. They play the Steelers, which is going going to be a bounce back week hopefully for the Steelers then they play the Browns then the Rams their schedule is not looking favorable from here on out they could go two and three and drop three in a row just like that and bam you are not a contender I don't think the 49ers have it and I think they're too thin and don't have the depth with all these injury prone players that they got on that offense you know what I thought since they were an NFC West team and you're pretty high on your NFC West teams that you were going to go contenders but I'm going to have to agree with you just like I said with Caden on the last segment they obviously play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who gave them two touchdowns and they played the Cincinnati Bengals with that terrible, that scrub Andy <laughs> Dalton and I'm just telling you what, like they haven't played a real team yet and they're going to play the Steelers, obviously we don't have Big Ben and they could obviously they could, I think they could get a win against the Steelers easily uh, without Big Ben and the way the defense has been playing, but like you said, they're going to be going up against Cleveland the Rams, the Seahawks later in the season and I don't think it's going to turn out too well for them on the latter end of their schedule so yes, they are pretenders, so So let's go to our next team here, and that is going to be another team in the NFC West, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. Now, for the people who are listening back home, this is Casey's least favorite team to talk about. Are the Seattle Seahawks contenders or are they pretenders? 
This is one of those things where I hate to say this, but I'm kind of in the middle on I don't know what to decide because basically my prediction stated at the beginning of the year that they were going to be contenders because they were 10 and 6, but because of the NFC being so deep, I had them at 10 and 6 and still not making the playoffs. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say they are going to be contenders simply because of the fact I did not think they would start out like this. Granted, it's, it's been two close games between the Bengals and Steelers, and they've gotten two wins over decent AFC North opponents, and they won at Steelers last week, which was a big game, but their schedule is going to get a whole lot tougher. They play the Saints this week, even though Drew Brees went down, you know that defense is still going to bring it. Alvin Kamara is dangerous. So I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to be contenders. I think they're going to roll off a few more here. They're going to have a big matchup with the Rams in week five. That's going to be for the division lead. If the 49ers are still there, I'm going to say they're going to be contenders for the time being, though, only. I think when it comes later in the season, when you get down to your really tough games and your contenders that are going to be there, like we know the Rams are, I think they're going to fold in those games and they're not going to be a playoff team. And see, I am going to have to disagree with you on this I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to be pretenders because as of right now they were down while Ben Roethlisberger was still in the game against Seattle I think that their offensive line still isn't good enough I think they played a great game against Pittsburgh but Seattle has proven in the past that they have had some you know great starts but like you said in the latter end of the season and just looking at the the teams that are surrounding in the NFC, I just don't think they match up. I don't think they have the star power to compete with other teams like the Rams, like the Cowboys, the Eagles, um, you know, in the Green Bay Packers, like we just talked about. So I think the Seattle Seahawks are pretenders. I don't think they're ready yet. I don't think they have the talent on that team to compete in the NFC. So coming to our last our very last team on this segment, we got to go with the Baltimore Ravens, Casey. What do you think about the Baltimore Ravens, pretenders or contenders? Contenders, simply for the fact their division just got a whole lot weaker with that injury of Ben Roethlisberger. Slow start for the Browns. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that the Ravens are head and shoulders the best team in the AFC North so far. They have definitely shown their worth beating the crap out of the Dolphins in that week one game. Lamar Jackson has looked great. If they can continue this on offense and even show that they are worth battling the Chiefs this week, they play at Chiefs at 12 p.m. Central Time this week. That's going to be a very tough game, but I think if they're even in that game, you can call them very strong contenders this year. Lamar Jackson has looked great. As I stated, Ben Roethlisberger going down. That's one of their prime contenders right there in the division that just got a lot weaker. I think they got head and shoulders the best chance to win that division now. The Browns aren't looking too great so far. Big win for them. Big game for the Browns this week. But the Ravens overall have looked like the best team. That defense is solid. Lamar Jackson is solid. And they are contenders, my friend. You know what? When it comes to the Ravens, similar to how you feel about the Seattle Seahawks, I am indifferent with how the Ravens are going to be this year. Obviously, I said that I thought that Lamar Jackson was going to have a little bit of a rough start. Obviously, I was absolutely wrong about that. He has had a hot start. Um, the Dolphins' defense was abysmal. The Arizona team is also not good. I want to see this team against talent before I can call them contenders. Right now, they're in the middle for me. They're not pretenders. They obviously shown that they can be a pretty solid mid-level team, but when they go into Kansas City this week and how great that that offense has looked and how much improved that they look, I got to tell you, this is going to decide. But as of right now, if I had to label them one, it's going to have to be contenders. Only because of how well Lamar Jackson has played and the improvements that I've seen in the passing game, his poise that he's had in the pocket, his completion. There was a stat that they gave on ESPN today that showed that he's only had one incompletion while being in the pocket. That is great no matter what kind of defense you're playing. But like I said, let's see them play against a team that's not Arizona and not the Miami Dolphins. So we're just going to stay tuned. So let's get into our big topic of the day, and this is going to be something that's going to be firing up Casey because it is about his L.A. Rams, and it's about specifically his starting quarterback. Casey believes that Jared Goff is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I got to tell you what, I disagree with Casey on this, but I'm going to let Casey give his point. Casey, if you want to go ahead and give your point, let's try and convince the viewers that Jared Goff is a top 10 quarterback in this league. Goodness, goodness, goodness. This is one of my favorite things to argue about. I love my Rams. I love my team. And I love my quarterback. I'm not like Terrell Owens. It's my team. It's my quarterback. This is my quarterback. I will support my quarterback. I like that. I like that attitude. And I'll always support my quarterback. 
First of all, you just have to look at what the players think of him. They obviously think very, very high of Jared Goff. And the NFL Top 100 this past offseason voted on by the players. He was ranked eighth out of the top 10 quarterbacks in that ranking. That is high respect right there from the rest of the NFL. Not only that, but he has proven it with his numbers. And Sean McVay's offense, he has put up a ridiculous 100-plus rating in his last two seasons. He threw for 4,700 yards in the air last year. He threw for 38 the year before that and such a drastic improvement in that horrid offense he was in with Jeff Fisher you got to look at improvement you got to look at how he's done with his receivers you got to look at the whole package he has been a gamer the last two years he has stepped his level up and he has showed why he can be in the spotlight he didn't look too good in that Super Bowl against the Patriots but he got his team there in some tough games he looked good against the Saints he looked good against the Cowboys and hey what, what quarterbacks have beat Tom Brady? Nick Foles and Eli Manning. Two quarterbacks right there. That's the only two that have ever beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. This guy's just getting started. I think he's only going to improve from here, and he is definitely a top 10 quarterback in this league. And when I say that Jared Goff is not a top 10 quarterback, that's not me knocking saying that Jared Goff is a bad quarterback. But I'm going to give you a list of quarterbacks that I think that are personally better than Jared Goff. And I'm going to start here. These are in no particular order. So if anybody's listening thinking, oh, wow, you forgot this person is better than that person. No, this is in no particular order. But I'm going to list all the quarterbacks that are better right now, currently, as we speak, than Jared Goff. Number one. Obviously, the quarterback that beat him in the Super Bowl, Tom Brady. Number two, Drew Brees, considered one of the most efficient and best quarterbacks of all time. Aaron Rodgers, considered widely to be the best talent at quarterback of all time. Russell Wilson, I think Russell Wilson is a better quarterback all around. He has that running game. He's very poised. He has a lot of intangibles to give, and I think he is a better quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, although he is injured right now, I still think that he is a better quarterback. He had better numbers all around other than interceptions last year than Jared Goff, and I think that he is still better at at this point right now than Jared Goff, although that he is injured. I think that Phillip Rivers is better than Jared Goff. I think Matt Ryan is better than Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, all those quarterbacks that I think right now are better than Jared Goff. And there's also a couple on the borderline that you could make pretty good arguments like, like Baker Mayfield or Cam Newton. Go ahead and say it. I know you all were discussing Cam Newton before. You Can you say that now, though? <laughs> <laughs> he called me out about Cam Newton. We did have this argument before, and I did say that Cam Newton was a better quarterback than Jared Goff, but at the current moment... I no no can't I say can't that. say that. But we also had Andrew Luck on there. Obviously, Andrew Luck's out, so it is bumping Jared Goff up a little bit. He is a little bit closer to the top ten now than he was on my list. But yes, I still think so. But let's go back to this. Let's talk about this. Do you do you think Jared Goff is better than Ben Roethlisberger? I I, I have to know. I think right now he is just because the decline that Ben has been on. He did throw for 5,000 yards last year. I'll give him that. But he threw the heck out of the ball. Anybody that throws the heck out of the ball in the NFL and has a decent arm can throw for 5,000 yards. He was just lofting that ball out there all the time for that offense last year. And you can see that he can't stay healthy anymore as much as he once did. Big Ben's tough. Love him to death. He's a tough player. You know, he stood in there for so many years, taking a lot of hits and injuries. But I think Jared Goff is on the up and up right now. He's looking better. He's looking more efficient in an offense that's more efficient, and he's leading his team better right now. Okay, but what if I told you that not only did Ben Roethlisberger have more yards and touchdowns than Jared Goff last year, what if I told you he had a higher completion percentage than Jared Goff? Ben Roethlisberger last year, although he threw 16 interceptions to Jared Goff's 12, he completed 67% of his pass last year to Jared Goff's 64%. So other than interceptions right now, Ben Roethlisberger from last season's stats is still leading Jared Goff. So I'm going to have to disagree with that. But all the quarterbacks that I said on that list, do you think that Jared Goff is better than any of them other than Ben Roethlisberger? Other than that, I think he's better than Baker Mayfield at this point. I, think I, did, I, didn't, I didn't say Baker Mayfield. Okay, okay. Not Baker Mayfield then. I'm going to say right now, he's got to be a little bit better than Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers hasn't looked solid in his first two games. He had a pretty good season last year, not as statistically good as, as Jared Goff, but I just think right now, Jared Goff is leading his team better, and he has put his team in a better position to win, obviously making it to the Super Bowl. He's better than Phillip Rivers. I think you can make the argument that he is definitely in the conversation with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is mobile. He can do a lot with his feet. That's where I think he 
he's got Jared Goff beat, but Jared Goff hits a lot of deep throws. He has a great cannon of an arm and that deep throwing offense of Sean McVay. I think he's running his offense a little bit better than that Seahawks offense has been running the last couple years. Well, Russell Wilson also did score more than three points in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, but we'll leave it at Burns, that. Man. We will, Burns, man. <laughs> we will leave it at that. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, but coming up next, we are going to talk about Jalen Ramsey and his request for a trade. Is that a trend now in the NFL just like it is in the NBA? Are players now of star caliber going to start requesting trades? Coming up next on the Joes on the Pros podcast. Last night while Casey and I were watching Monday Night Football, we got the update that Jalen Ramsey, Pro Bowl cornerback from the Jacksonville Jaguars, some consider him the best cornerback in the NFL, has requested a trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars. No more Saxonville uh, down there in Jacksonville. So we obviously saw him getting into it with his head coach on Sunday over, you know, not challenging that call on the drop or the catch per se, because it was ruled a catch. Um, obviously they didn't challenge it and it was not overturned, but it obviously DeAndre Hopkins had dropped that pass and he was mad because his coaches didn't have faith in him and they didn't throw the challenge flag that would have resulted um, in them probably getting the ball back. But with that being said, Casey, what do you think about uh, Jalen Ramsey requesting a trade after that blow up on the sidelines with his head coach there in Jacksonville? Jalen Ramsey is just simply frustrated right now with his squad. His squad, going all the way back to preseason, is 0-6 in their last six games. Now, granted, starters aren't playing in preseason, but they still lost four games in preseason, and they're 0-2 so far in the regular season. Jalen Ramsey, we know, is a huge personality, definitely doesn't like to lose. He will let his mind be heard when he wants to talk trash, and he's talking trash about his team big time right now. What does this tell you? He does not want to lose. He wants to win right now, and how can I blame him? He's got a pretty tough schedule schedule coming up. They play the Titans this week, another division foe, and then they go at Broncos, which is never an easy task for anybody. So I can't see him wanting to be there much longer. I think they're going to deal him here pretty soon. You're going to find one of those contending teams that we talked about that wants to bulk up their defense for a run to the playoffs, and I think he's going to be out of there in the coming weeks, and it's very understandable why he wants out. Now, coming through with sources that I was doing research on earlier, there have been two teams that have made pitches uh, to the Jaguars for Jalen Ramsey. Now, now before this, the Jaguars did say that they would take nothing less than a first-round pick for Jalen Ramsey, which is understandable in my opinion. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but they said that they are not taking anything less than a first-rounder. And if Minka Fitzpatrick can go for a first-rounder, I think – Jalen Ramsey definitely has to go with a first rounder. Um, so with that being said, it said that one NFC team and one AFC team have made offers. And I have a prediction about who they are. Uh, for the AFC, I think that it is the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Kansas City Man. Chiefs are ready to win now. Could you imagine that with the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew and Jalen Ramsey out there in the in the secondary for the Kansas City Chiefs? How good would that be for them to play the New England Patriots in Foxborough or in Kansas City for the AFC championship there. But with that being said, in the NFC, I think it has to be the Eagles. The Eagles let up a lot of yards passing from Case Keenum, 380 yards against the Redskins. Nobody's going to see that. Obviously, Case Keenum got brought down to earth a little bit when he played the Cowboys because they have a little bit of a better defense than the Eagles. And then you see what Matt Ryan had did to the Eagles on Sunday night um, on that fourth down play to Julio Jones for that winning touchdown. So I think that the Eagles are really desperate because their secondary is really their one weakness that they have on that really talented team and I think that Jalen can bring some attitude and some swagger that could really turn that team around what do you think Casey well, I'll tell you what, it's kind of funny that we've been seeing a trend that we've been talking about here recently in that NFL players are now starting to request trades more so than they usually have. This isn't the first time we've heard about this, certainly in the last few weeks. The whole Antonio Brown saga, the Le'Veon Bell saga last year, this is an increasing trend that we're starting to notice with these stars in the NFL, kind of similar to what we've been seeing in the NBA. And he certainly wants to make a big impact for a team and win right now. It's very understandable that you would think those two teams would want to trade for him. 
They're looking for improvement on defense. The Eagles won't need improvement on defense. The Chiefs need improvement on defense. I think those two teams might be the teams that are making offers. But the Jaguars are just wanting too much, I think, right now. Honestly, initially they were saying it was one first-round pick. I saw a report today that said they want multiple first-round picks. There's teams out there that don't have multiple first-round picks. So he's not in a good situation there. I don't know if he's going to get dealt now because of that, because that's a lot to ask for for a player. Not a lot of teams have two first-round picks, so it's going to be tough to get out of there for him now with that being said, and I think he's got a tough road ahead of him. So, Casey, I got to ask you, you know, with this new movement that we first saw in the NBA and now it's kind of transitioning to the NFL, what do you think about these players, these star players, whether they're pro bowlers or NBA all-stars, trying to request trades to get off their teams and get dealt? I just don't think it's a good look for him, man. You simply just can't do it. They're making so much money and getting so much benefits as it is. I just don't see how you can't be happy. All this guaranteed money, all this faith in you, all this faith that they're putting in you with these big contracts, I just don't see why teams would do it. You are out there playing professional football, guys. You are out there living the dream, and some of these teams put their hopes in you when they drafted you. You just can't do that to them once they've given you this guaranteed money, these incentives, and putting all that faith in you like that. I don't think it's a good look for the league, the NBA certainly has its ups and downs because of that a lot of players swapping teams and I don't think it's a good look for the league it's more about the team I think football is more of a team sport you can't focus on one guy and these guys need to get their attitude out of here all right Casey I mean I hear what you're saying and I agree with you football is a team sport and a player like Jalen Ramsey going to a contender like Kansas City or like Philadelphia is only going to increase that team's chances of going to the Super Bowl. I actually like this for the NFL, and I like this for one reason, because we can obviously, with Nick Foles going down in week one, that the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going anywhere. It doesn't really seem like they're going anywhere. They're not contenders. They're not going to compete to win their division, and they're certainly more likely to be in the top five draft pick than they are to get anywhere close to making the playoffs this season. So with that being said, you know him being dealt for a first-round pick one is going to benefit him to go to a contender, and it's also going to benefit the Jacksonville Jaguars to help them rebuild. So I actually kind of like this in the NFL. The NBA is a little bit different because, you know, obviously some star players can really turn the tide on a team, and drafting players is a lot different in the NBA. It's a really hit-or-miss league, and some players who you think are going to be really good aren't. But in the NFL, I like this. I like this. If a team's not going anywhere, a star player's frustrated in a situation and doesn't want to be there, wants to go to a contender and make it more interesting for actual contenders i like that and i don't mind seeing that happen all right guys so it is now this time of the episode where we are going to get into our riddle rankings so also after we do the rare rankings we decided to do something different since sports gambling has become a lot more big in today's society we are going to do something called warner's wages that's casey warner if you forgot casey's last name he's going to do warner's wages what he would bet on this week and you can kind of take it you can see what happens this week and then maybe you can listen to him but we're going to see what happens with that but we are going to kick it off with the second edition of week two riddles rankings and at number 10 we are going to go with the los angeles chargers casey last week i told you this is a team that could fall off and i was right because they lost to the detroit lions they only put up 10 points losing 13 to 10 after leading majority of that game philip rivers didn't really seem like he could get the ball moving and do much with that uh detroit defense there at ford field and i gotta tell you they didn't bounce out because i still think that this roster is really talented and that they can go places but they are at number 10 at number nine the houston Texans are still in the top 10. Yes, they had a low-scoring game. Yes, Deshaun Watson didn't look as flashy against the Jacksonville Jaguars as he did against the Saints, but it showed me something. It showed me that he can go and he can play against a pretty solid defense and he can win in a tight squeeze and he can edge it out. I have the Houston Texans at number 9. Coming in at number 8, I have put the Baltimore Ravens in the riddle rankings yes the baltimore ravens are in there after winning a game against the arizona cardinals although i don't think it's a great win because the arizona cardinals aren't that great of a team they still have looked mighty impressive and i cannot leave a team that has been this good for the first two weeks out of the riddle rankings coming in at number seven another new addition to the riddles rankings is the seattle seahawks 
Russell Wilson looked really poised against that Steelers defense, and he only had six incompletions, threw for 300 yards. And if you look at some of those passes, I'm always about looking at some of these passes, Casey, because he was lobbing it over perfect coverage, and he was literally getting it to his guys at big moments. Also, on crucial plays, I remember there was a huge third and long play in that game where he took off with his legs, ran over 10 yards to get a first down and keep that drive going and keep it alive so that they could secure the win and not give that ball back to a hot Steelers team that were maybe Mason Rudolph was driving up and down the field against that Seattle defense. Coming in at number six, although they lost on Sunday Night Football, I still have the Philadelphia Eagles. Whenever you go into Atlanta, it is always going to be a hard win. Uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones seem to just electrify that stadium every time they go in. So it is always hard for any team, no matter what caliber they are, to get a win in Atlanta. But I still believe in the Eagles. Carson Wentz had a little bit of struggles. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson uh, got injured. So did Alshon Jeffries. And it just seemed like players were getting hurt uh, left and right. Aguilar was trying to get out because he got knocked out in the end zone. And they wouldn't even let him sit out because they were like, we don't got anybody else. They were literally getting banged up against the Falcons. And they still were almost in that game. If Aguilar would have caught that pass and had scored that touchdown, we would have been having a completely different conversation. So I still have the Eagles at number six. Coming in at number five. The Dallas Cowboys. Guys, I I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys, but what can I say? They've been playing great. Yeah, they have not played against great competition when it has come to the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins, but they have been elite. Dak Prescott has looked great. Zeke has looked good. His new weapons have looked great as well, and that defense has been locking it down for the Dallas Cowboys. I have them coming in at number five, and they play the Miami Dolphins this week, so I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. And then coming in at number four, I have the Green Bay Packers, only because that defense is looking so good. They are holding great teams to very minimal points, and Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur in that offense are only going to get more and more better as they get more uncomfortable with that system. So I only see them improving from what they've started, and they've already got two wins over two very good divisional teams. So I have the Packers coming at number four. My top three did not change a single bit going from last week. I still have the Los Angeles Rams at number three. Jared Goff did play a little bit better, but with that being said, he also beat a Saints team without Drew Brees, and I think that that kind of takes away from a little bit, although he played pretty well. The Rams looked overall well. That defense held Teddy Bridgewater in check when Drew Brees went down, but again, you know, let's see uh, that Rams offense play against a much better team because we expected them to be challenged by New Orleans. Obviously, with Drew Brees going down, they didn't get that challenge. They might bump up once they play a little bit of a better team uh, than a Drew Breesless Saints team. And then at number two, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes threw for 313 yards and four touchdowns in the first half, and they just let them cruise to the finish line in the second half because they really didn't have to do anything else after that. Patrick Mahomes ended up throwing for 443 yards and completed about 66% of his passes. He looked absolutely amazing. They didn't really have to do much in the second half to knock off the Raiders. And this week when they play the Baltimore Ravens, I expect him to put up great numbers as well coming in number two. And then number one. Does anybody have any surprise about this? The Patriots have outscored their opponents this season so far through two weeks, 76-3. to They look absolutely ridiculous with the addition of Antonio Brown. Until that falls through, like I predict, they are going to be number one, and until somebody knocks them off, they are going to be number one because they look absolutely unstoppable. That top ten, I like your top three right there. I agree with your top three. And with that, these games that I'm going to be waging right here include some of those teams from your top 10. In these games, that includes the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Patriots, all spreads that I'm actually taking against them, interestingly. And I'll start it off with my first spread I'm going to go against, and that is the Dolphins at the Cowboys. Cowboys by 21. I will give the points there. I think the Dolphins are going to show up, and I think they are going to bounce back this week and at least come within 21 points. I'm not saying they might even come anywhere close to beating the Cowboys, but they'll come within 21. That is too high of a spread. Do not put your money on that spread right there. The Cowboys, I think, will beat them, but the Dolphins will bounce back and have a little bit more fight in them this week against a Cowboys team that's playing solid. They have to bring their A game in that game. I'll take the points with Dolphins against Cowboys. Next spread that I'm going to say is going to be not what I think they have it at is the Patriots against the Jets. Jets going to New England in that game. That spread is 22 and a half for the Patriots. I think the Jets will also be angry in that game. They may not put up a lot of points, but I think they will bounce back 
back with Le'Veon Bell, and I think he'll have a little bit better of a game just for pride reasons in a Patriots game like that. you got to have pride in division rivalry games like that. They will not get beat by 23 points, and I think they will come within that 22-and-a-half-point spread against the Patriots. Next game I got, I got Lions against the Eagles. Lions traveling to Philadelphia, and they are favored by seven points. I think that's a little bit high. The Lions are quietly 1-0-1. No losses yet on their schedule. I think they're going to come with fire in that game, and they will at least come within a touchdown. I think they could even beat the Eagles. That's a tough game on the road. Matthew Stafford looks pretty well so far. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, solid receivers so far for them. And I think that offense is going to put up points in a shootout against Philadelphia in Week 3. My last game that I'm going to go with, is the Panthers traveling to Arizona to face the Cardinals. The Panthers are favored by two and a half in this game. We talked about Cam Newton earlier limping to the finish line. He is battered up. The Panthers look bad right now. They are 0-2, and things are looking on the up and up for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. They look pretty decent so far. I think at Arizona, with that crowd in the red zone there that they have, I think that's going to be a challenge for Cam Newton and the Panthers, and I think they're going to come out on top of that game, much less beat the spread of two and a half, and that is my Warner's wages for this week you heard it here for us you got the riddle rankings you got the warner wages we gave you everything that we saw from week two this is our second episode of the joes and the pros podcast stay tuned with us for next week we're going to give you all the updates from week three and follow us on twitter at joes on the pros you can catch us on twitter there and we're tweeting out polls we want to hear your opinion give us a follow we're getting updates on the games things that we think are crazy so yeah give us a follow there on twitter again that's at joes on the pros uh so i hope you guys have a great week tune into us next week so we can give you all the updates all the info after week three